Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. and will join me in the book of the book of Colossians again this evening. We're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7 and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Amen. Just ask the Lord to help us. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and 6, As ye therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And so this evening, with the help of the Lord, I want to I talk to all of us, including myself, from this subject, the challenge to grow, the challenge to continue to reach and let God do something new in our lives. I don't ever want to stop growing in the Lord. Amen. My last day here on this earth, I want to be like Paul. I want to be pressing. I want to be found pressing towards something else in him. God bless you and you can be seated. I'm thankful to be with you in service tonight. When I was young, I remember longing to basically do one thing. Just I wanted to do a lot of things, but basically, you could boil it all down. When I was young, I basically wanted to do one thing. I just wanted to grow up. I just wanted to grow up. I anticipated the future. And I think basically the reason I anticipated the future, the future so much is because I just didn't realize how good I had it as a child. <laughs> and had I just known, had I just known and could have somehow hit the pause button, would have been nice to have lingered a few more uh, years in that season of innocence. Most of us, I think, would agree that we probably, outside of maybe some extenuating circumstances that perhaps are present tonight, we didn't realize how good we had it when things in life were a lot more innocent than they seem to be today. We always think that the stage of life that we're in is pretty tough until we get to the next one. A few years ago, Sister uh, Elder Sister Mangan uh, was speaking at our prayer conference, and I think she was... Uh, right at the age of 90, maybe right at her 90th birthday when she was there and she boldly declared one evening in that service that growing old wasn't for sissies. You know, Sister Vesta Mangan, you can imagine about how much energy she exerted at her ripe age of 90. Amen. I was always, like many others, looking for my next significant birthday. I wanted to be 13 because I wanted to be a teen. And I'm not alone here tonight, even if you are in denial. I wanted to be a teenager. So 13 held a significance because you can 
Uh, I mean, 12, you're a preteen, but you know, you're not quite cool enough. You're not all the way in the club until you're 13, and then you're a teenager. And then at 15, that was a goal because it was at 15 you could get your restricted driver's license as it is now. And that was a big deal because you're going to be able to help cart mom and dad to all four corners of the earth. My mom and dad were world travelers, of course. When I was 15, I was happy to be there and have my restricted driver's license, but I was restricted. I can only drive certain times and with certain people. So then I wanted to be 16 so I could have my operator's license and, and just do what I wanted to when I wanted to. And then I wanted to be 18 when I was 16 because when I was 18, growing up in the home of a, a truck driver my whole life, that was my dreams to be an over-the-road truck driver, and that is true. And so I, when I was 16, I wanted to be 18 because then I could get my chauffeur's license, what is known as a CDL, a commercial driver's license today. And so on my 18th birthday, I was standing at the, at the, uh, at the licensing office to get my chauffeur's license. That would be the year I would graduate, and a lot of wonderful things would happen to me in that 18th year. But it just seemed like that when you're 18, you want to be 21, because 21 just seems like a rite of passage, because at 21, people start taking you a little bit more serious, and you're more into the adulthood, and you're kind of away from the youth, and that aspect of things, you've kind of come into your own, pushed out of the cocoon. And so 21 just seems like a mark of maturity. And so we wanted to be 21. And then when I was 21, I really wanted to be 25. Because something significant was going to happen when I was 20. You're wondering how far I'm going to go with this, aren't you? When I was 25, something significant would happen. Because when I was 25, that was the year that I would get a break on my auto insurance. And trust me, I needed that break on my auto insurance. So each date was important, and it marked a, a moment of significance, and they all held reason, at least, to, it, to me at that time in my mind. And then, of course, there was 30, and then 35, and 40, and 45, and 50, and 55. Somewhere in the middle of that process, a mystical finger just pierced the sky, and it pushed life into overdrive. And those days that seem to just eat by when you're 13 and 14 and 15. All of a sudden, days are not slipping by, but months. And if we're not careful, even years. I have heard more than a half dozen people in recent days say, I have no idea where this year has gone. And that's one thing if you lose track of time and you think, well, you know, I, mean, I didn't realize it was 2 o'clock today. I thought it was closer to noon. Or it would be another thing if you didn't realize that for whatever reason that it was Wednesday instead of Tuesday. But when we lose months like sand in an hourglass and it accumulates to a year of time, and it just seems as though it is not getting any slower. We may think about, humorously think about those times growing up. But one of the things we probably took for granted was the fact that, that irrespective of 
outside of extreme things, but irrespective of what happens, we're destined to grow up because we are born to grow and we are born to be in the process that we're in life. And so when you see someone who doesn't grow, you feel bad because you know that's not how things ought to be, that something is wrong and sometimes physically or uh, there are things that people are fighting and, and even in childhood, diseases and things of that nature that affects the growth process. But outside of that, we understand that, that we're just destined to grow. That was how God designed the hum, human body. It was just to grow. And, and life in the Lord is very similar to that. Receiving the Holy Ghost is just the beginning of a new life in, in, in Jesus Christ. Being born again is a wonderful thing. but And I, I don't want to take away from that moment. It's not a moment that anybody could ever steal from us. But in truth, it was just the beginning of a walk, in, a walk with God. And from that moment until this very moment that we're in now, we are maturing more and more, or we should be. In other words, that our walk in life is much like our walk with God. It should be a journey. So often we're more worried about the destination and we forget to enjoy the journey. And I can remember in younger times and younger days and, and uh, especially in our earlier years of, of marriage and family and you finally get a few days off and your own vacation and, and I just remember driving to wherever we were going like it was a challenge, like I was signed up for the Indy 500. We can't stop and eat. Why would we want to stop? <laughs> Why would we want to pause? Why would we want we want to get wherever we're going? And I missed a lot of wonderful things along the journey because I was so focused on the destination. I'm thankful that somewhere between the Lord and my wife, that she got me and the Lord got me dialed back a little bit to try to enjoy the journey a little bit. We'll get there. It'll all be all right. And believe it or not, Wherever we had motel reservations, wherever it was, whatever time we got there, they were still there. And they were still open and they were still glad to take our money. And the light was still on. <laughs> Some of you will get that. And so in serving the Lord, when we first begin, we just have to start somewhere. And so we ask the Lord to help us and we should begin to mature along the way. We should be growing. In many facets of secular, of secular employment, there is a requirement for ongoing or continuing education. It is a requirement to keep your license. It is a requirement to keep your status in that business or in that flow. And so it's not just mere suggestions. It's, it's something that you must keep up with. Builders have to keep up with the changing building regulations and law enforcement have to keep up with the ebb and flow of laws and accountants have to keep up with the changing, ever-changing tax codes. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Somewhere right now, someone is at a computer, at a desk, holding a book that is, do, they're doing what I'm talking about right now. They're continuing their, their education in their field, in their vocation, because they realize I can't stop growing because what I'm a part of is dynamic. It is ever moving. And the moment that I become static, then I am going to be out of the flow of what's going on. 
You wouldn't have to be out of the medical field very long. You wouldn't have to be out of the pharmaceutical field very long. In, at, the, at the rate that things are changing, it, it wouldn't matter what you had been or how many years of college you had taken or how many hours of study you had behind your belt. If you were to step off of that train for just a season of time, it would be a very cumbersome task to get back on because of the ever-changing things around us. And so we're encouraged and we're even expected in many facets of our professional world to continue to grow And so if it is important to grow as a physician or a nurse, if it is important to grow in law enforcement, it is important to grow as an accountant, how much more important would it be for a child of God to say, I can't just get a one-time experience and then just go back and find a seat somewhere and assume that everything is going to be all right. So that brings us to that three-way mirror, that three-sided mirror that gives us a, an introspective look at not just the one side, of, but all sides of us and to ask ourselves, am I further along with God today than I was a year ago or six months ago? Occasionally, of course, we all have setbacks, but over the course of time in our walk with God, the big picture In the big picture, we ought to be growing stronger. We ought to be getting our feet gathered under us. And so in our text, Paul gives us some instructions on how and ways that we should grow in the Lord. In verse number 6, he said, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Just walk in him. And so we receive Christ by by the infilling of his spirit. And so we received him because we believed Because the scripture says, have you received since you believe? We must have that beginning launch pad of belief. Amen. This, the the, the plan of salvation then is given to us in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. When Paul talks about continuing to live or to walk in the same way that we have received Christ. He's talking about a walk that is constantly depending on the Lord. Living by faith. Our appliances are plugged into the source. And while they are insulated and while they will, uh, a refrigerator will hold its temperature for a while, it was not intended to live disconnected from the source. That was never its intention. It is insulated to help with the energy bills and things of that nature. It is insulated in order to preserve that that we have entrusted to it. And, but it is not intended that you just fill it up, plug it in, cool it off, and then disconnect it, and everything is going to be all right. We must stay connected to the source. So no matter how much of the Holy Ghost we had, no matter how great of an experience that we had in God, if we are not connected to the source of that strength, if we do not stay connected to that source dependent upon Him, And so it is in this context that the Apostle Paul gives us several areas of growth as we follow him. For us to continue to walk in him means that we must seek to grow deeper in him. Amen. The word that Paul uses in verse 7 is the word rooted. And the clear image here is of a tree. And so when we look at a tree, for the most part, we just see what's above the ground. And I understand that we get it that there's something past that but for the most part we just behold the girth of the tree and the shade and the beauty of its limbs or or whatever but roughly estimated the root spread of a tree equals its branches some woodsmen report that the combined now just think about this with me I'm using an important word here it's combined 
Some woodsmen report that the combined length of the roots of a large oak tree, if you were be, to be able to set them end to end, end to end, end to end, the combined length of the roots of a large tree could in, in some cases equal several hundred miles. The little fingers and the little tentacles that we can just so easily reach off and snap, they're not always that. Some are large and they need a chainsaw to get through them or even more, but, but there's those little fingers and tentacles. If we can measure all of that, there could be several hundred miles of roots. A good root system serves two purposes in that tree's development. A, it serves as an anchor. It holds it against the prevailing storms of life. But secondly, they collect moisture, which without such, they could not receive the sustenance it needs to, to not only survive, but to thrive. And that's why massive trees are able to not only stand, but they're able to withstand and continue to grow and continue to bear new leaves and new limbs. Amen. So they are connected to the source. Paul is saying that our relationship in the Lord must be rooted. We have to grow deep in our relationship with God. I've often used the phrase, and, and I, I, I mean it very, very sincerely, and I hope to never be taken as one just being cynical, but some people are an inch deep and a mile wide. They've been around things for a long, long time. And they have a big broad view of things, but they have no depth to them. They have nothing to keep them in the midst of a storm. And so I want to pray, Lord, don't let me just be broad and look as though I am far more than I am. But I want to have something that will keep me in the prevailing storms of life because we face storms in our life. And so we have to grow deep in our relationship with God. And how do we do that? I believe the psalmist David gives us some insight to that in chapter 1 and verse 1. He said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of, of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. He says, But his delight, we're still talking about this blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf, the Bible says that his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so here is a person whose focus is not about what all can I do and how far can I live on the edge, what all can I get by with, but their focus is on the word of God. What would you have me do? How can I get closer to you and draw nearer to you? And in the word, he lives, he meditates, he reads, he studies. Amen. The result of that, the Bible says that whatever he does, he prospers. Amen. That we are entrenched in the word of God. I want his word to be an active part of my life. And so David is in his pen and parchment talking about a tree, but not just any tree, but a tree by a river. The roots are not only deep into the soil, but they extend into the river itself. 
And as long as they extend into that river, they are connected to the source. And there is its nourishment. Amen. There may be drought in other areas. There may be a lot of things going on around the world. But to the tree that is planted by the water, there's always going to be enough there to sustain it. As long as the river is not dried up, the tree is always going to have something to keep it alive and to keep it producing. And so I'll tell you tonight that we cannot disconnect ourselves from the source and think that somehow it's all going to be all right. I want to ask you tonight, remind you that when we are facing issues in our own life, one of the first questions we should ask ourselves is how is my prayer life? Amen. How is my time along with God? How is my time in the Word of God? Because you see, when we unplug from the source, it won't be long until signs of death are going to be showing. Amen. We are going to produce fruit if we stay connected to the source. So whatever we do is going to prosper if we are rooted in Him. And so as Christians, we need to deepen our relationship with God because we've got to put down some roots somewhere. Somewhere through the process, we are going to receive from Him everything we need. Whatever we need, we're going to prosper in that. There is nothing in this world more important than your personal relationship with God. Nothing is more important than that. I can't live off somebody else's experience. I can't live off of somebody else's prayers. I can't live off of someone else's testimony. I'm thankful for what God has done in every life that I'm looking at here tonight in this auditorium, but I'm going to tell you I can't live off what God has done for you. I've got to have a relationship with the Lord myself. Amen. Nothing is more important than my own relationship with God. And the way we're going to grow deep in our walk with God is through time that we spend with Him and in His Word. And by the same token, that's the only way you grow deeper in a relationship with anyone. you got to spend time with them. You don't grow deep in a relationship with others just by merely reading about them or studying about their life or watching them from a distance or just enjoying the blessings of, of that they, they may be have in their life. I mean, it takes time together. We have to develop a relationship with one another. And that same principle, that same principle applies to our walk with the Lord. I have to spend time with him. I don't want to sound like a broken record. I don't want to sound as though we have nothing better to talk about tonight. But there, but we have got to spend time in prayer. We have to spend time in his word. We have to spend time what the, the, the psalmist David and other writers talked about meditating upon his word. And that is a challenge in the world in which we're living in. When every second of our day someone is bidding or something is bidding for our time and attention. Amen. We've got to know the Lord. I know you perhaps know this, but let me remind you that when you're reading Psalms and you come to the end of a sentence and you see the word Selah, what David or the writer is trying to tell you there is pause. Think about that. Think about that for a moment. Reread it. Consider it. Meditate upon that. Amen. You must pursue the Lord. You've got to seek Him. Then Paul talks about the admonition to grow up the admonition to grow up. He said that we must be built up in him. We would use the vernacular, we must grow up in him. Amen. The image here moves from the image of a tree to the image of a building. We got to grow up by building on the proper foundation. We got to look at and that proper foundation, of course, is Jesus Christ. I want to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
verses 10 through 15, Paul speaks about building on a proper foundation. In verse 10, he said, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth. Amen. There's going to be a foundation, and another is going to build. But then he says, But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. And then he uses this phrase, for the day shall declare it. And so he said, here's all this building material that you have to choose from. And he said, it's going to be made manifest. Your work is going to be tried. It's going to be proven. The day is going to declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And that fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer the loss, but himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And so here he talks about two different types of materials that we could use to build. He talks about one group, one group of material that burns up. That was the wood, the hay, the stubble. He said because there's going to be a day that's going to tell the tale of the tape. There's going to be a day of reckoning, a day of testing. And when you put those items into a fire, it is just merely incinerated. No matter how large the piece of wood, how massive the tree had been, but when it is through the fire, it will be reduced to a little more than just ash. But he said, but there's another group of things that you can choose. And out of that material, those things are not incinerated by the fire. They're not destroyed by the fire. They're not reduced to ash by the fire. But these precious metals that we put in the fire are going to come through and they're going to be better than they were before they went in. Now that sounds like the thing I want to build my life with. Amen. Paul is saying there are two kind of things that we can engage in. Are, are, that we can engage in. There are two kind of things that we can engage our lives. There are those things that we can decide to do on our own timetable, things that we can decide to do on our own terms. Amen. That's kind of the life lived where we just give God what's left. Amen. Those leftovers. That's where we offer God what we can spare, or we offer God what's convenient. That that doesn't grind in or dig into our lives or our schedules or our wallet. Amen. That is what Paul called wood, hay, and stubble. The other kind of work is the kind that receives a reward. It's the work that we engage in out of obedience to the Lord. I want to tell you today that many times people that are sitting under the sound of my voice who are called to certain areas of life and ministry... Amen. I'm not talking about necessarily pulpit ministry, but ministries within the church have had opportunities to walk away, have had times and seasons where it would have been easier to have just thrown down and thrown in the towel 
but you realize that I'm doing what God has called me to do. Amen. I, I'm not doing this because it was just something I decided. This was not some the end result of some whimsical thought. But God is pressing me and God is pushing me. And, and so that's why prophets of old could say, I tried to be quiet. But it was like fire shut up in my bones. I tried to contain it within myself. But it was just more than I could do. Because I'm not serving God on my own terms. God, I'm serving God because he called me to do what I am doing. Amen. I believe that the Lord would help us in those endeavors and in, in our sincerity. We have to realize that the calling of God is pretty plain. It's pretty simple. The call of God is pretty direct. We see it all play out. If we're not careful, we can miss it. If we're not careful, we can get caught up in the things around it and miss the real calling. It happened on the shore of a sea called Galilee. There were two men that were mending their nets. They were doing what they would ordinarily be doing on any ordinary or common day. But in this common, most common setting, the Lord used three words. Amen. Or used some important words, a few words, some important words when he said to Simon Peter, if you're going to follow me, amen, if you're going to come with me, if you're going to be not a fisher of fish but a fisher of men, then he said, follow me. Amen. Just come follow me. You're going to have to cash it all in. You're going to have to fold up the nets. You're going to have to forget about this from this day forward. And you're going to have to follow me into a new season of our life. Ironically, or maybe not ironically, that at a moment of discouragement, amen, he looked out on his life and he said, you know what? I'm just going fishing. I'll just go back and I'll do what I know is common. But he couldn't do what he knew was common because he couldn't escape the few words that Jesus said on the sea of Gal on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and that is, "Follow me." And I will tell you today that, un not unlike the call of Simon Peter, so is the call that is upon our lives today. We have to follow him on his terms. When you read the story, I don't see a long dissertation. I don't see a long conversation going back and forth. How long? How much? What all is this going to involve? Amen. No, no, no. It was just if you're going to do this, you're going to have to follow me and you're going to have to trust me. Hallelujah. How many of us have been there? Praise God. Where we said, Lord, I feel that commission. And I know there's some nagging questions in my own spirit, but I'll tell you, I gotta do it on your terms and not mine if it's gonna succeed. We gotta be like Simon Peter and we have to leave our own boats and our own nets and we must follow him on his terms. Otherwise, it is an absolute contradiction of terms to call him Lord and not obey him. As some have said through the years, he's not gonna be Lord at all if we're not gonna make him Lord of all. Amen. So we can't call him Lord and then not obey him. Amen. And we can't call him our Savior if he's not going to be everything. Amen. We, not to, we have to build, if we want to build our lives up in faith, then we are going to have to build on something that's going to last eternally. Amen. It's got to be built of those things that are authorized and those things that are led by the Spirit of God. And it will be acts of obedience on his terms. As we build in obedience by faith, then, then we are going to see what God can do with human ability. When God is trying to build something, it will grow. I mean, if we're going to walk with God, then we've got to grow 
as well. Uh, amen. Look at what he goes on to say in verse number 7. He said, and established in faith as ye have been taught. And so Paul is talking about growing strong in faith as you were taught. And he's talking about what we believe and not that we believe. It's what we believe. That's what really matters. It's not that we believe. A lot of people believe in something, but it's what you believe in. There's always been a danger of false teaching. Always. In Paul's day, there was certainly a danger of false teaching. That's why Paul boldly declared, if I or, an angel, if, or others or even an angel comes bearing another gospel, let him be accursed. Amen. And so it was prevalent in Paul's day. It was prevalent always and it is certainly prevalent today and so it's vital that we know what we believe and we know in whom we have trusted amen we need to know what the bible we need to know not your preacher not the pastor not the church leaders amen you need to know what we what the bible teaches about repentance you need to know what the Bible teaches about water baptism. You need to know what the Bible teaches about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You need to know what the Bible teaches about living a life separated, amen, coming out of the world, what these scriptures mean. We have to know that ourselves. Paul said to Timothy, study to show yourself approved. Amen, a workman that, that you don't have to be ashamed. Amen, we've got to know how to rightly divide the word of God. Some, uh, I don't know how long ago now, maybe a year, maybe so it could be longer than a year. But uh, sometime back, my wife and I had the privilege to be in Palm Bay for a service. And uh, uh, in the service, and that in the first service, in the uh, the very they, their service is much like our schedule. And in the first service, Elder Brother Myers, Brother Ellis Myers, uh, taught the Bible lesson. And my wife and I sat there and we listened to this elder. My, my, my. What a wellspring of knowledge. What an absolute wellspring of knowledge. When I'm in the presence of people like that, I feel like they've probably forgotten more than I'll ever learn. And so as he began to teach, he was just teaching and, and uh, he's having a, uh, is having a few little health issues. And so rather than him standing for the teaching, they had a little table set up and he sat there in a chair and just began to expound on the word of God. And I'm going to tell you, it was rich. It was rich, rich, rich. And I, the, the thing, the reason I bring that up is the thing that just kept coming to my mind is that while he was teaching, and of course it's just sort of his, his way of teaching, and, and he would just say, and so this scripture, the, the reason we have this scripture is because of this scripture, and the reason the Bible says this is because of that. And the only thing I could think about, Brother Kenny, was the Bible saying rightly dividing the word of God. That rightly dividing and connecting, that putting together. And my wife and I, we were just throughout the service, we're commenting on that. And then throughout the, the day, especially, and then days following that, of just how rich it was to just hear the word of God and to, for somebody to be able to just take the Bible and make it make sense. Amen. <laughs> and so we need to know what the Bible has to say. In an hour where there are all sorts of things being taught as truth, we need to know and make up our mind that I'm going to discover what truth is for myself. I need that settled in my mind. Amen. The Bible talks about in this passage that we must, if, if Paul says abounding, and that is just reaching out or stretching ourselves and, and I believe that what is on the inside of a person eventually eventually comes out. And it should come out. What, what's in, the, in there should come out. That's who we really are. 
And if you're really a, a real believer and, and we're filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and our life has been changed, we just can't keep that to ourselves. And we may not be a world-renowned evangelist. We may not be a missionary. But God is going to plant us where he wants us and we just can't keep that to ourselves. It, it, it's going to spill out. It's, it's whatever's in is coming out. Jesus talked about those that received him as rivers of living water that well up and flow out from us. And, 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 and if we know what we know about the Lord, then my question would be, why wouldn't we want to share that with somebody else if we know? And so because we found something, we want to share that with others. And I'll say this in closing, and you can just remain, our musicians can remain there if you'd like, but we, we live in the midst, sadly. We really live in the midst of a very cynical um, and a very selfish society. We live in a, a very dissatisfied society. A lot of people are miserable, and they show it. They They do. It's just wherever you go. And I feel and frankly pray often. My wife and I, I'm very serious about this. We pray for, pe for people in our church that work in the public places and have to deal with all this nonsense day in and day out. We sincerely pray. People are miserable. And, and some, sadly, are proud of their misery and but if you have the Holy Ghost, one of the characteristics ought to be an attitude of kindness and thankful, thankfulness. Really, I'm being honest and serious. That there should be such a marked difference in how we conduct ourselves, how we handle, you know, we have situations that go, I mean, you know, they forget our French fries every now and then too. <laughs> But you, you need to know how to handle that when you circle back around. I mean, they're just humans on the other side of that, and people are subject to error, and it's not the end of the world. Probably wouldn't hurt us to just keep driving <laughs> if that's the case. But I marvel sometimes, and I, I say this and by way of testimony and, and certainly not the only living example of this in this room. But I marvel at how stunned people are in the public workplace when you handle something right. They can't hardly get over it. Thank you for being nice. Thank you for being kind. It makes you wonder what in the world goes on when I, you know, when I wasn't here. Who was the last person that came in? And how did they handle this? So there should be something that when we come in contact with people that people can sense that we've been changed. There's a notable difference, and that's what I mean by growing out, reaching out, touching others. You know, an evergreen, its, it's name kind of gives it away, but an evergreen is always green, despite the weather. It's green in the heat of the summer. We've got a few things this time of year around us. The leaves just give up. <laughs> I'm out of here. I can't hold on. The evergreen, they're not over there boasting. They're just doing their thing. 
They were green in July. And they'll be green in January. And we'll just show you how to do this. And our lives should be characterized by that enduring thankfulness that is unaffected by the changing climate around us. When the heat of a pressured week or when some kind of painful situation comes in in our life, we should stand out like an evergreen. Regardless, we're still thankful. And regardless of what surrounds us, I want there to be something inside of me that, that's a wellspring of hope for others. And so I'm going to go back in, in, in my closing comments and ask my initial question, are you growing? I'm asking myself that. I'm going to ask you as well. Are you growing? Are you growing in your walk with God? There's really no reason why we shouldn't be, honestly. And I, I, will, I will just say this just as a mere way of making a point that we live in 2019, almost 2020. We have so many tools available to us. We don't have to wonder what a word in Scripture means because we don't have the money to go buy a concordance that weighs just under 54 pounds. We've got seven of them on our phone. There's a million of them on the internet. And so there's, there's no reason to be stunted in our growth when we don't know because we have so many tools. We are inundated with tools to help us grow. I'm going to tell you today that and we're a blessed people. I understand the context of which I say this in, but we're a blessed church. We are a very blessed church, wonderful musicians and singers and organizers and thinkers. And, and uh, I'm, I'll be glad to exclude myself from what I'm about to say, but I, the ministers and speakers in our church are just top. They're wonderful. They all bring the word of God in their own unique fashion and they feed us and we don't ever go home wondering what in the Sam Hill happened. We're sure of what happened. The spirit of God has been moving and somebody brought that fruit down low enough that we could get it and walk away. And I'll promise you if you leave one service from this church, I'll say this with great confidence in the God that I serve and the people that I'm privileged to work with, it's our own fault. If we walk away from here empty, it will be something that we need to check in our own heart. We're not perfect and we've never claimed to be, thankfully. Amen. But I will, I will encourage you that we need to realize that if I'm not growing, I need to look at me and not try to find somebody else to pin this on. Who can I blame this on? If, the, if, if, if something's not right in our life, we don't need to try to find somebody out there. We need to find somebody in here. Amen. Let's stand. Praise God. You've been so kind. He desires us to grow deep in Him that we'll put down roots, roots that'll hold us. Amen. He desires that we grow up and we have the right foundation under us and we build our life on the right principles and, and we can grow strong in Him and, and we've got the ability to do that. We have, it's all around us to do that. I'm thankful not only for this church, but I'm thankful for the fellowship that we're a part of because it helps us to grow. Wonderful things that are there to challenge every demographic of our church. Every demographic of our church. I'm thankful for that. It helps us to grow. Amen. We, we attend all sorts of meetings in a calendar year and none of them do we come home from 
disappointed. But we come home challenged, challenged to be more, challenged to be more. Annually, we have many things, and I'm, re- I'm very reticent to mention just any one of them, but I will tell you that just a few years ago um, at our prayer conference, you won't, you won't find a better meeting, but a few years ago at our prayer conference, one of the speakers spoke on focused prayer. Of course, it's a prayer conference, and many of the messages are on prayer, but talking about focused prayer. And I have been in the church around the church my entire life, born in the church. I never felt more challenged in all of my life than I felt that service about focused prayer. I left changed. I am still changed by that message. I am still challenged by that message. Some of you were there. I've used this illustration that was used in that night. They had different images that they put up on the screen the White House and just different things and, and, and the speaker would point and say point to that screen and pray with me this prayer I was so impacted that we weren't praying a general prayer oh God bless our this or God bless that bless our government but it was so specific to hone in to nail in and it challenged me to come home and pray differently and it caused me to come home and challenge this church to pray differently and I believe we've been the better for it The challenge, ladies and gentlemen, is to grow, to be changed. Not to say, well, we're going to do it this way because that's how we've always done it. It's because that's how we've always done it. Don't mean we've been doing it right. You can can do things wrong a long time. Amen. But if we find a better way, a more efficient way, that's what I want to get my hand on. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I love you today. I thank you for the privilege. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.